have in our lives. Last week we talked about prayer, having a spiritual discipline of prayer. We talked about the Lord's Prayer, how it's our model for praying, and we asked you to commit to yourself to prayer for an extended length of time. Uh, you remember the prayer contract that we had? I don't know how many of you are doing that and how many of you are able to keep it up, but it's a good thing to pray and it's a good thing to keep your life, uh, develop a consistent prayer life. That is your lifeline with God, is developing a consistent prayer life. Uh, some of you uh, haven't done that in a while and maybe you just start out with five minutes a day of prayer. Five minutes a day is better than no minutes a day. And so go ahead and do that, to de develop your prayer life. Now this morning, we're going to talk about fasting. I heard a story this week about a young, young girl who, whose dad announced that he was going to go on a fast. And she knew that if you didn't eat, you could die. And so she said, don't do it, Daddy, you'll die. And he went on to very calmly explain to her, Bible people, that, people in the Bible that had, that had fasted and how God had blessed them. And she thought about it a minute. She said, but they're all dead, right? <laughs> Sometimes you just got to keep on keeping on. What is America obsessed with? Food. I think you're right. I think it's food. Uh, next time you watch TV or listen to the radio, count the number of food commercials that you hear. And, you know, they always seem to come at dinner time, too, for some reason, just before dinner time. You got all of your fast food commercials, all of that kind of stuff. A recent study of 96 hours of preschool programming, preschool programming, like Disney Channel, Nick for Kids, Cartoon Network, uh, had 130 food-related commercials just in that short period of time. The Food Channel and other, other uh, things are just kind of exploding in, in popularity. And things are really, you know, there's, there's this thing called foodies now. How many of you know what foodies are? Foodies are people that are kind of obsessed with food. They like food so much they think about it 24 hours a day. They have the latest and the greatest and all that kind of stuff, and they, they, they know how to, how, to, how to saute rabbit and all that kind of stuff. I don't know what, what all that is. But we are indeed obsessed with food, and perhaps because we are in wa awash with food, perhaps that is why we have such a difficult time with the concept of fasting. We don't hear too much talked about fasting anymore in the spiritual sense. It's becoming a little popular as a weight loss and as a health thing to have intermittent fasting. That's the new thing that's going on. You can look that up on the internet if you want to when you get home. I'm not going to talk about that here. But the Bible talks more than 80 times about fasting in, its, in the scriptures. And we don't talk about it very much at all. What is fasting? Well, fasting is the spiritual practice of self-denial in order to foster a deeper relationship with God. It's self-denial in order to foster a deeper relationship with God. Now you may wonder, what, is it, what does not eating have to do with God? How does that happen and uh, what does that mean in my life? Fasting almost always involved food in the Bible. When, when the Bible talks about fasting, it's almost always related to food. And sometimes it's in, in Daniel chapter 1 verse 11, it says that uh, Daniel said to the guard, the chief official that had appointed over Daniel, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. The commanded Daniel and his, and his compatriots were kidnapped and brought to the, to the uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And he, was told, he told them that they were going to receive the king's, the king's food to eat. And they were going to have to uh, eat his food, which is probably unclean food that were dietarily forbidden under the Jewish law. 
And Daniel and his friends said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to eat only vegetables and water. It was a kind of fast that he went on in order to prove that God is God. And then there's also full, full total abstaining from food. In, in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Jesus, before he launched his ministry, went out into the wilderness. And the Bible says that he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end time, he was hungry. Fasting can be a lot of different things. And you're going to see as we talk about fasting that it's a very flexible kind of concept. It can be adapted and, and uh, put into different ways and used differently to, to achieve its means. Uh, John Piper wrote this. He said, Fasting makes me vulnerable and reminds me of my frailty. It reminds me to remember that if I am not fed, I will die. Standing before God hungry, I suddenly know who I am. I am the one who is poor, called to be rich in a way the world does not understand. I am the one who is empty, called to be filled with the fullness of God. I am the one who is hungry, called to taste all the goodness that can be mine in Christ. Fasting brings into context our need for God, our need for Him, and it reminds us that we need Him more and more each day. Why should I fast? Well, number one, you should fast because it is expected behavior of a disciple of Jesus Christ. We don't talk about it very much, but all of the New Testament saints fasted at different times. It was a practice of the early church. It was something that Jesus expected his disciples to do. He said in Matthew 6.16, he says, when you fast, and then he goes on to talk about how not to fast, how to, how to keep yourself uh, between you and God, it, it is, and he says, but when you fast, it was an expectation that he had that we would fast. That was an expectation that he had that, that we would fast. And then number two, we fast because we want to grow closer to God. In Joel 2, 12 and 13, it says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Fasting is a step closer to God. I don't know how all this stuff happens, how all of it works, but all I know is that fasting brings us closer to God. It's a time to focus on God and His goodness to us and His provision for us when we fast. So we fast in order to grow closer to God. And finally, we fast because even though the Bible gives no command to fast, it is available for every believer. In the Old Testament, there were two commandments to fast. There was one during the Day of Atonement and another celebration that God had where he commanded the Israelites to fast. Those are the only two commands to fast in the Bible. In nowhere does it say that you must fast so many times a year or so many times a month or so many times a week. It just says if, that if we want to touch God, if we want to see his heart, if we want to feel his presence, if we want to know him in a better way, that fasting is one of those avenues that we have in order to experience God in a closer and in a better way. The widespread practice of fasting was, was, was done by great people of God in the Bible. Uh, Jesus fasted for spiritual strength to overcome temptation. In the Bible, in, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. 
During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus fasted because he understood what we often forget. And that is this, the power of temptation to entrap and ensnare us. Even Jesus was not immune to temptation. He didn't give in to the temptation, but he was not immune from temptation. He was tempted to worship the devil and to give him glory. And he knew that it was coming. The power of temptation is there to entrap and ensnare us. It says in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, and yet he did not sin. Next time you're experiencing temptation, you can know that Jesus overcame temptation in his life, and you can overcome it too. One of the things that it, one of the reasons he was able to do that is first of all, he understood that sin was pursuing him. How many of you know that sin is not a benign thing that just stands by and hopes that you fall into its trap sometimes? It is actively pursuing you to try to get you to fall and to fail and to do things that you know you're not supposed to do and to become a rebel against God. Jesus wasn't surprised by temptation. He knew when he was being tempted. He wasn't surprised by it, and he knew when he was being tempted. Jesus was not caught unawares. He expected to be tempted, and you can expect to be tempted too. I think that's one of the keys to overcoming temptation is to know that temptation is going to come to you. You will never get to the point in your spiritual life where you avoid temptation. Temptation will always be there. It will always be pursuing you. It's always coming after you. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He put it in the most fearsome terms that he could think of. A lion stalking its victim, looking for a meal, looking for something to destroy. That's what temptation is trying to do to you. It's trying to destroy you. It's trying to ruin your relationship with God. It's trying to make you a rebel in God's eyes and make you something that you don't want to be. That's what temptation does to you. Jesus recognized temptation when he showed up. He recognized it every time for what it was. And there are some key questions you need to ask yourself when you're being tempted and you wonder if it's really temptation or not. Ask yourself this question. Does it contradict God's word? Is what I'm tempted to do go against God's word? Now, in order to know whether it's contradicting God's word or not, you've got to know God's word in the first place. That's why it's so important for you to get the Bible into you. I know at Teen Challenge, they make Bible memorization a big thing in there, don't they? You guys got a lot of memory verses in your, in your mind now because we know that the devil cannot stand against God's word. And so ask yourself the question, is it contradicting God's word? There are no exceptions to God's law, to God's rule. If it's against God's word, it's temptation, and you need to flee from it. Secondly, I lost my place. There we go. Found it. Thank you for bearing with me there. Secondly, does it appeal purely to my flesh? 
Temptation will appeal purely to your flesh. It will promise to make you feel good. It will promise to cover up your pain. It will promise to make you feel like you're, you're better than you are. But it's not true. Only Jesus can do that. If you're, if you're tempted to do something in order to cover up your pain or to feel better or to make yourself a better person, be very suspicious of that. Only Jesus can change your life. Only Jesus can change your heart and your soul and your mind. Number three, does it cause you to compromise in your holiness? Do you have to make excuses for it? Do you have to rationalize it in your own mind? Do you have to say, well, maybe it's not that bad. That's probably the most famous temptation phrase that we can get. It's not that bad. How bad does it have to be before it's temptation? We need to know temptation when it's coming and where it's going. And we need to be able to recognize it when it comes. The early church fasted and prayed for direction. They needed God's direction and God's hope. And so they, they prayed and they fasted. It says one day in Acts chapter 13 verses 2 and 3. It says one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. It was the first missionary sent out from the church were Paul and Barnabas. And they, they were appointed by the church after they had fasted and prayed. They got the direction they needed from God in order to, to accomplish His work. These disciples needed direction from God. Not, we're not told if they were approaching with a blank slate. We're not sure of all the circumstances of this. If they were worshiping and fasting and God just kind of said, all right, I want you to set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. We don't know if they were wondering if they should send out uh, missionaries and God said, yes, here's the ones that I want you to do. But we do know that, they, that they, were, they were fasting and praying and they got direction from God. If you need direction in your life, if there are big decisions that you have to make, I would encourage you to incorporate fasting and worship into making those decisions. Ask God to give you the clear word and the clarity. Fasting kind of clears the decks. It focuses our spirit on Him so that we can hear clearly. And by the way, if you're having a problem hearing from God, it's not God's fault. If you're having a problem hearing from God, it's not God's fault. Maybe there are distractions in your life that fasting can push away and push out of the, out of the, out of the way so that you can hear from God. Get alone, get in prayer, get fasting, get focused. And God will speak to you. He'll speak to you in times of fasting. In, in, uh, God called Israel to fast as an act of repentance is an act of repentance. In Joel 2.12 it says, This is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. The Israelites had, been, had pledged their fidelity to God at Mount Sinai. They had pledged their fidelity to God at Mount Sinai. They had stood at Mount Sinai, heard the commandments of God, and said, we raise our hand, we promise that we will never pursue other gods, that we will not worship idols, that we will not do the things that you told us not to do, God. We give our word that we'll do that. Years down the road, we see that they had done everything they said they would not do. And God in his mercy had called them back to him over and over. He sent the prophets to them and said, you better stop doing this or I'm going to send judgment. They didn't stop doing it. And so he sent foreign nations in to conquer them and to teach them that they have to listen to God's word and to bring them back to him. And then he said, now turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. 
Fasting shows God that we're serious about our repentance, that we're taking physical steps to show our heart's condition. With every pang of hunger that you feel, you're reminded of the pang of pain that God feels when we sin against Him. Now, some of you might be here this morning, and you've been, fast, you've been, you've been uh, fighting sin in your life. You've been fighting besetting sins that seem to keep coming up and going on and on and on, and you can't seem to get fat past them. Can I encourage you to do something? Can I encourage you to begin fasting for deliverance from those things? Sometimes we need to fast in order to get deliverance from sin. We need to repent and fast in order to get that deliverance from sin that we have. Perhaps you've sinned. You're harboring sin in your life. I want you to consider fasting in order to get past those sins, in order to get victory over those sins. Do you see how flexible fasting is? Anna the prophetess fasted as an act of worship. Anna the prophetess was a woman in the New Testament that lived in the temple area. And she worshiped God and fasted. It says, Anna, a prophet, was there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died when she had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. And some translations say that she, that she uh, lived 84 years after that is what it means. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night worshiping God and fasting with prayer. Anna's husband died young, probably in her 20s, in her early 20s. She had dedicated herself to worship and fasting for some at least 60 years, probably 87 years she had fasted and worshiped during that time. She had given her life to that kind of worship and fasting. She hung out. She had not remarried. Instead, she dedicated herself to the temple and to worshiping and fasting God. In our text, almost as a reward, she's blessed to see the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, come. And she is able to prophesy over him and, and to enjoy his presence. Fasting is putting concrete actions into your work. It's okay to fast as an act of worship to God and just say, God, I'm going to give up food for a period of time in order to worship you and in order to praise you, to put a, kind of put a sharp edge on your worship. Fasting puts a sharp edge on your worship. Worship. So how should I fast? How should you fast? If you're going to fast this morning, how should you fast? Well, first of all, set your parameters. Fast a meal or a length of time or something like that. Just fasting one meal can make a difference in your life. Some of you have health issues that don't allow you to fast uh, continuously. You can't do that because of medications that you're on or because of a physical condition that you have. Just fast one meal. Just fast that to God. But choose what you're going to fast. Some of you men have fast from sugar or, or coffee or caffeine. Whoa, coffee. I'm sorry about that. Didn't mean to scare anybody there. But one of the things that you need to understand about fasting is it's an act of sacrifice. And for some of you, coffee is a good thing to fast because it has a hold on you. Because it has a, a grip on you and you need to get free from that caffeine grip that has you in its clutches. Now, we don't think too much of it because caffeine is, is natural and it's legal and all that kind of stuff. But we need to be careful about that kind of thing. And some of you, but set your parameters on how you're going to fast. Determine what you will fast from. You're going to fast from all food? Are you going to fast from particular foods? Are you going to fast from an activity? Some of you might need to turn off the television for a particular length of time. Some of you might need to turn off the social media or the computer for a particular length of time. Something like that is something that is perfectly acceptable to fast from. But make it something that will cause you discomfort. Ooh, we don't like that word. 
I don't want to be discomfortable. I don't want to be discomfortable. <laughs> Sorry, Kim. <laughs> Our English teacher. <laughs> Make you uncomfortable. We don't like to be uncomfortable because we think that life should be good and, and life should be easy and life should be fun all the time. But God calls us to discomfort sometimes in order to show us where our real, where our real allegiances lie. We need to be careful about that. So, and then determine what you want to receive from God. This is an important part of fasting, to determine what you want to receive from God. Healing, wisdom, decisions to make, forgiveness, direction. Be specific. Worship. God, I want to worship you more. I want to worship you more perfectly, and, and so I'm going to fast and worship you. But be specific. You can receive something from God. Now listen, listen to this. What can you expect from fasting? Well, the Bible says that God rewards fasting. He rewards fasting. In Matthew 4, he's giving teaching on fasting. Jesus is, and he says this. When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they will ever get. So if you're doing it to be noticed by others, that's your reward. It's that others notice that you're fasting. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, listen to this part, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. You can expect rewards from fasting. You can expect God to answer your prayers from fasting. God wants to answer your prayers. And sometimes fasting is that little extra push that just kind of brings the blessings of God into your life. Those blessings of God that come into your life. Now I want you to turn to your bulletin because there's a piece of paper in there. I don't know if I'm going to do this every week, but I want to call you to some actions on this. Maybe some of you have heard this. This is the first time you've ever heard about fasting, and it's appealing to you. It says, it says I don't know. Maybe this is what God wants me to do. Maybe you just need to worship better. You need to worship more. You want to break through in worship, and you need to fast in order to receive that. Maybe some of you have a sin in your life that is just kind of there bothering you and keeping on and keeping on and keeping on. You can't seem to shake it. I think fasting might be the answer to your dilemma. Maybe some of you need to have a loved one that needs Jesus Christ, and you need to fast for them in order to see that. I want you to determine when, that you're going to fast, and I just want you to answer these three questions. Pull that out right now and look at it. Anybody need one? We've got a few extra here. But I want you to, number one, answer that question, when I will fast. I fast on a regular basis. I fast one meal on a regular basis, and God has just been doing great things in my life for that too. I'll have to tell you about that sometime. But it's, it's been just a wonderful experience for me. But maybe you can only fast one meal in your, in, your day, in your day or your week or your month. But just make that determination. Maybe you're going to fast for a week. Maybe you're going to fast from sunup to sundown. That's a biblical way of fasting too. Maybe you're going to fast uh, you know, for an extended period of time, one day each week. Just whatever, whatever you feel like God is saying to you that you can accomplish, go ahead and do that and determine when you're going to fast and put that down on your paper. How will I fast? Are you going to fast all foods? Are you going to fast one meal? Are you going to fast certain foods? Are you going to fast something like uh, social media or something like that? Put down what you're going to fast, how you're going to fast from that. And then put down what I want, what I'm... What am I fasting for? 
What do you want God to do in your life while you're fasting? What do you want Him to do and to be in your life while you're fasting? I'm going to give you just a second to do that now. And as you do, I'm going to pray and ask God to give you wisdom and understanding as you do that. Father, right now we are committing ourselves to fasting. And Lord, we ask that you would come in the power of your Spirit and that you would show us what you want us to do. God, I pray that there would be a breakthrough in people's lives, that you would have a breakthrough in people's lives, God, as they fast and as they pray and as they give themselves to you. Lord, we ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to close in just a minute. This probably isn't the greatest altar call type of sermon that we have, but if you need Jesus Christ or you need anything in your life, we're going to close in just a moment. I want you to come forward. We'll anoint you with oil and pray for you, and God says he will meet your needs as you come to him in faith. So as we sing this, this song, Pastor Matt's going to lead us in, and then you come and we'll pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed, okay? Amazing grace, how Was blind, but now.